Zingtober. I am your haunted host, Justin Zinger. And today, I have a new victim for our What Do You Fear? Hey, it's Halloween, everyone. How's everyone doing? Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't keep, keep the creepy thing up for too long, <laughs> but it was just fun to start off with. Um, so as always, with the, with the new format we do for Zingtober, we ended on Halloween with a special podcast guest or guest. And I just have one side of the portal this time yes i have a member of into the portal host andrew mckay how are you doing sir buddy i am fantastic it feels really really good to be back on your show i feel like it's been a really long time it it probably has been i i was looking this up and if i am correct i think the last time you were on was for the thing yeah man and we just covered that that on our show which was so serendipitous that you uh that you have me back on so it's perfect So, so that was for last Zingtober, but now I have you on for the Halloween episode. For the creepy, the crawly, the, the spooky, the ooky, all that fun stuff. But for our listeners who might not be familiar with you, what do you cover on your show so that we can set the mood? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we essentially, we're dedicated to history, myths, legends, and cryptozoology. We're, we're definitely diving into a little bit more of the, uh, the paranormal and hauntings and things like that for October. But mm. uh, that's essentially our jam. We like to bounce around, so we'll give you something different every episode, whether it's a uh, yeah, historical mystery or definitely some, some freakier stuff for October. So that's Into the Portal. So you keep saying we. Ah, indeed. Who are you referring? We're yes, missing yes. one. We're missing one tonight. Uh, she got stuck at work, but uh, I'm one half of Into the Portal. So Amber Ray, my uh, my fiance uh, wife to be, is my co-host, and uh, yeah. So, if I may ask to start this off, what got you guys started on this path of the ooky and the spooky? It, to 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 do the podcast, but I guess you had an interest beforehand in. Yeah, man. Spooky. Yeah, like, I, I guess my interest beforehand was more so in maybe not, not necessarily like the spooky in terms of like hauntings or maybe some of the cryptids that fall more in line with like like spooky rather than looking for Sasquatch and things like that. But like we, we were both like anthropology majors. Um, it kind of morphed into a international relations blend. But we were always looking into like transoceanic. So it, it started with history, but then within history, there is just so much absolutely bizarre, macabre, like dark, awesome, weird, paranormal stuff. And we were super inspired by other podcasters. Shout out to the Pod Fathers with Scott and Forrest at uh, the Astonishing <laughs> Legends podcast because I feel like they they're responsible for getting a lot of people going in this podcast game. Yes, but uh, yeah, they they were definitely uh, the guys that got us started, and we uh, yeah i mean so i mean a perfect example of like a crossover historical creepy weird is one we just covered which was the missing head of oliver cromwell which is this (laughs) this bizarre case of literally a head going through uh the underground world of uh of trading of those types of antiquities and things and it's just super dark and we love that kind of thing awesome awesome well i i was trying to remember if i'm like i don't think you guys have ever told the real true backstory on what got, got you guys down this path so that's an interesting thing to hear as as of course a listener of your show and of course 
as the person grilling you. With Indeed. The, with, the, with, <laughs> with, with, with the Halloween spookiness. Love it. So, um, I guess what had I, I want to. I want to save the the big one for what creeps you out in paranormal until the end. Unless sure. this this question will answer it. Um, in your research, you've done you guys have done over a hundred episodes of yep. varying topics of the paranormal and the strange. Mm-hmm. But in your research, what is something that has creeped you or Amber out the most? Like like what is something that you felt weird after you were done with the computer and you're like. Oh man, it's dark in this room. I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable anymore. <laughs> or, or has that happened yet? Have you, you gotten? You that know, yet? I mean, it's funny. Like you say, like yeah, like turn the lights off. Left in a dark room after we're done, and that that for some reason the first thing that pops into my mind is like shadow people and like that type of a topic, <laughs> which we haven't covered yet, which we definitely want to get into, which I am absolutely mortified by. So I mean, it's not maybe my top one. So I'll give you a different one for that okay, question. Okay, but. Okay. Um, I don't think that's really happened yet for us. I feel like maybe more so with some of the films we've covered. So we also do film, not mm-hmm. not necessarily reviews, but we just kind of cover them and talk about some of the connections with the, the paranormal world. Discussion. Um, yeah. Film discussions. How, like how I cheat reviews in on Zingness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, those types of things freak me out. Like when it comes to demonic possession and films like hereditary and things mm-hmm. like that, I feel like for our research so far, there has, there's been a few that have definitely weirded me out. Uh, the depths of Baikal, you know, that was definitely one that weirded me out. The idea of there being, oh. you know, nine foot tall humanoid swimmers being able to shoot Russian divers out of the water and things like that. And like, what exactly is lurking in the world's deepest freshwater lake with all these UFO mm-hmm. sightings and paranormal activity and all this crazy stuff. But then at the same time, it's like, we're so far away. We're so far removed. I feel like if I'm, if I'm in the Southern tip of Lake Baikal, I might be tripping out a little bit more. You yeah. Know I mean? You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't think it's happened yet. I need it to happen. Okay. Okay, I was just wondering because I know talking to some other people who've done they 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 have said that there's certain ones that they like feel a little creeped out after, you know, doing the research or watching certain things. Um, one of the one of the films that you guys did, and I'm probably gonna get the name wrong on it because it I, I the the ritual the relic the ritual the ritual indeed yeah yes. yeah I, I was I was like sorry I was playing D and D last night and I'm like we we were doing a search for something so i was like i'm gonna get it wrong because we kept talking about a relic during that so i'm like too many r words but so that one got me interested do you was that was that one that 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 hit you that was definitely one with you absolutely man because i mean for multiple reasons obviously it kind of it hits the um the dark the dark section of the heartstrings if you will with like the very early like reason for the trip uh Mm -hmm. in that film but then Anything having to do with Nordic, like Scandinavian lore, like folklore and mythology, Mm -hmm. if you really dig deep, it is extremely dark. Um, So when you go into the mythology of trolls and and, and those types of creatures like lurking in the Nordic woods and stuff like that, I really think they did a good job in the ritual. A lot of people were kind of ticked off with the the reveal, the reveal of the creature in that movie. I actually quite liked it. Um, It worked for me, but... uh, Mm -hmm. Man, anytime you have something that's like of this earth, but not of this earth, that's going to just, oh, that yeah. sh- that chills me to the bone. That chills me to the bone. Well, one of the things I think that you guys brought up is sort of, is going along with the Scandinavian, going along with the like Norse mythology, is that the 
creature in this or, the, or what's going on there something more ancient than like and, and, and that, that was thing that was really interesting to me is that you know with a lot of indian lore and a lot of stuff like that i guess if you want to put it on the american side something like the wendigo right it could could also play in that is it something ancient and something that is talked about a lot so that that was something that really interests me in that is is, is your kind of thing of this is something that maybe ancient gods were based on this this is something that like in the realm of that movie and it it was like oh man that's really cool the way that 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 you're going at that and that hints at that too so i I really enjoyed that oh thanks everything in 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 that movie and your analysis like like your discussion of that made me go i need to watch this so and i was not disappointed sweet so thank you man and you know what as far as netflix produced films go that that's definitely like in the top the mm-hmm. top few for me because there's a lot of swings and misses on Netflix. And that was, that was one yeah. that was just, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it freaked me out from the beginning. I mean, the, the whole idea of, um, I mean, it was a, t- a telepathic creature too. I mean, it was haunting their dreams right from the beginning. It was right in their minds and sort of drew the main character out into the snow and then has that sort of just like realization that he hasn't been breathing the entire time. And just that gasp for air. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh my God, this, this thing is controlling you it's just fucked up i love it oh man so so good um so one of your other film friday i'm, I'm gonna kind of focus on film fridays you sure. brought up and, and it's and it's something that, that I, I love to talk about certain films and stuff and kind of get your your um i guess your input after your input um you guys of course covered troll hunter yes mm-hmm. which um, I, I'm personally offended I did not get offered a spot for that show. But oh, I'm sorry. I will I'm let sorry. it slide. That is that is hands down <laughs> one of my favorite movies in multiple regards. But um, what were your thoughts on that? To 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 just I, I guess if someone hasn't listened yet, just just give them like the cliff notes of your thoughts. Okay, I'm gonna be a little dramatic with my cliff notes, and I'm just gonna say like go. Well, not go watch. It's not in theaters. Like, just rent, download, watch this movie. Just it mm-hmm. was. It was the best. It was the best. I mean, what's the word? Not mockumentary because it's not funny, like per se. Although there was moments where they inserted some humor in that movie, which I actually quite liked. Um, yeah. But uh, what's what's the word? Where it's like a, a docudrama or, or a, yeah, uh, found footage docudrama. Yeah, yeah, found footage. It, it, I, I say it's kind of a mockumentary, but it's something. To where it's I, I can, can continue. I'll I'll I'll, I'll let you go first. And then sure, put my sure. Input in but I mean, end. like that's just what I loved about it because it's like it is. It's I mean, it, it's not risky in terms of you're spending a lot of money to put together a movie like that. Mm-hmm. Even though they actually did spend quite a bit, like on all the yeah. animation and all that. Um, but you're 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 treading a fine line with it being like absolute garbage or being really awesome when you do that type of footage, like with like the. Um, Oh man, what were all the, like like the Cloverfield series and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff? Where it just make Blair Witch. They, yeah, exactly right. And the Blair Witch killed it, and they became this iconic film because of that. Right, uh, mm-hmm. I love that. They just did a really good job of that. The characters were believable. Like the kids following this uh, <laughs> this old man who was just like just ride or die troll hunter yep. uh, was was believable. Like you felt like it was real. And that was exactly what I was going to say. So I'm glad I, I didn't. I put my foot in my mouth because I was like, the thing that got me about it is it's one of those things to where I felt like if you showed this to somebody, I mean, of course they're going to be like, it's a movie, but it's like, could this be believable in the sense of how it's shot, how it's set up, how everything's done. It's like, it makes it seem like it was legitimately could be for real. And that's what I loved about it. 
So, on that note, on the believability scale, where do you throw trolls in your opinion? Excluding the movie first. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that they would probably fall for me into the same sort of category as a lot of other creatures that are co- more commonly talked talked about. And mm-hmm. this is falling under the umbrella of the grand unified theory, if you will. Yes. But there's sort of, there's literally, in my mind, there's only two camps you can go, right? There's cryptozoological. This is a literal creature that's hiding, that's good at hiding and stays hidden. Or mm-hmm. this is some sort of an interdimensional being. And it is a, still a cryptozoological f- phenomena, just not yeah. of our world. And it can cross over, if you will. So I feel like um, with trolls, it's definitely something that's just been passed down through oral tradition and through storytelling and through that type of thing. And it's possibly based on a very real ancient phenomena that is no longer with us today. Um, That being said, I've never been to Northern Finland and Sweden and Norway and all these places. And I would love to go and camp out and go troll hunting. Exactly. One of my top trips would be there. It it just, that, that, that movie also makes that entire country and that entire area look beautiful. Absolutely. So, so, so hats off to the cinematography on that for just making it look beautiful. Definitely. Um, as for my opinion, do I believe in my heart of hearts, I, I like to think like there's something out there. Like whenever I do find an episode of a podcast or something to where they talk about troll sighting, something like that, it's always perks my interest. Cause I'm like, cool. This is going to be crazy. Because there's no troll sighting or troll thing that's ever like a mundane thing. It's always the most outlandish thing possible. I'm always like, heck yeah. (laughs) So, but it's something that you don't get get that often. So it's really cool to get that perspective or get that, you know, information every now and then of that. So um, as for, I, I guess this is a stupid one to follow this up with. How believable are trolls to you if after seeing the movie? I I want to believe in trolls. I mean, I'm a Mulder. I'm a total fox Mulder. That's, you know what I mean? That's my answer to I, I, I want to believe one. in trolls. Um, you know, if you were going to make the argument um, that they do exist, whether let's not even go to the either side of cryptozoological or coming from another portal mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but even this idea that, you know, in the movie, they live for a very long time. Like they're hundreds and yeah, hundreds of years old, right? And, and they grow to these massive sizes and they can be disguised as trees and mountains and all these different things. And in that sense, it would make sense that something like that could survive and not be hidden be- or not not be found, rather, because it's reproducing on an extremely small scale and in a massive, massive spread out timeline in very, very remote region of the world. So maybe there are a very small population of trolls that just look like trees when people walk by and we just don't know. Well, what if there's something that hibernates for an extremely long time? Like, and totally. they just haven't come out of hibernation recently. Like, they, they hibernate for decades or centuries. Or, yeah, and that's thousands of years, seen. possibly, even. Who knows? I mean, absolutely. Why not? Exactly. So, speaking of mythical and kind of more fantasy realm creatures, I'm I'm going to gonna throw a... Throw a um, wrench at you real quick with okay. this. So, I, I recently have... Um, this is not an ad for Audible. This is not an ad for Audible. I'm I'm saying that because I'm not going to give a code or anything afterwards. Because I know that a lot of podcasters <laughs> do. They, I, I legitimately got Audible as like a, oh, this seems cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I recently listened to Linda Godfrey's American Monsters, a history of monster lore, legends, sightings in America. Okay. 
And she kind of plays with, of course, since you're Canadian, the kind of the Americas a little bit. Sure. But one of the things that caught me off guard in the book was she kind of breaks it up with uh, land, sea, well, air, sea, land is kind of the different categories. Okay. And one of the air ones is dragons. Huh. And there's like almost an entire chapter devoted to that. Wow. And it's it, it is it isn't like a like like it's legit like fire breathing flying in the sky dragons. But they're kind of more in your neck of the woods. Right. So, on a believability scale, what do you think of that? Just 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 with the information I told you of something like that cuz it is brought up the whole interdimensional thing mm-hmm. cuz they're only seen during certain like and ironically enough, this was not set up. I did not do anything for this. October's normally when they're seen traveling. Okay. You know, that's 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 so funny you bring that up because we have experience with a lot of different flying entities. And mm. there's a lot of strange crossovers, uh, if you will, between creatures that you wouldn't necessarily expect but that uh, fall under that category of sort of like winged, scaled gnarly flying whatevers right um (laughs) it reminds me of a a, an episode we did on uh, las brujas de mexico which was basically just like witches witchcraft um but in that research we came across a ton of weird parallels to sightings of gargoyles and then Mm -hmm. in conjunction with gargoyles came along sightings of things like dragons and creatures that were very much like and then it funny enough the chupacabra actually falls under that category of the gargoyle as well in in a lot of reports and research and this that and the other thing when it comes to flying dragons, the only experience <laughs> that we've really had is purely like ancient historical mythological yeah. like documents, right? Like it's and and we've only really been able to tie it to anything that's a, anything that's just land based. I mean, the kimono dragon, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and even go, thinking about alchemy and the uh, different recipes where there's descriptions of using dragons' tears and dragons' bones and dragons' teeth and things like that, and we've always wondered, it's like, what is that? Is it a literal flying dragon from ancient Chinese mythology that they were literally well, a describing? Lot of people normally assume, oh, there's di- they're dinosaur bones, or right. they're, it's a misunderstanding of something. Right. But so many cultures have a similar theme, even though I will admit Chinese dragon versus European dragon very are different. very different from very each different, other. Indeed. But still... It is something that, that, that is very interesting. So I wanted to bring that up since we were talking about like mythical creatures and stuff like that. And once again, I've been playing a little bit too much D&D. So that might play into this a little bit too. Just a, just a wee bit. Just, just a smidge yeah. bit of that. So so I wanted to throw, throw that one at you and um, just kind of get... get your like feedback on that. I one. don't even think I really even answered you. I just t- I'm good. I should be a politician, man. I think I'm good at just tiptoeing you, you, you around. You did avoid the question, um, but I'm, it's one of those things. <laughs> I like the discussion more so than the answer. I'm I'm gonna straight up say like it, it's it's such an irony though, right? Because like I uh, like I'm such an interdimensional enthusiast. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm all about that for various different uh, creatures and things like that. But then it's like I'll nitpick. And when it comes to literal flying, fire-breathing dragons, that's that, mm-hmm. that one's kind of getting scratched off my list. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a few others then in the believable, like yay or nay. Sasquatch, Bigfoot, that, that whole, the, the North American great ape. 
uh, a real, ongoing, like, definitively real, true phenomena. Um, and that is, that's been corroborated by just so, so much. And I mean, I'm not even talking about the uh, Paddy and Patterson Gimlin, but mm-hmm. literal peoples on the, uh, the West coast of BC that live amongst these things. And, um, we've have expert a- 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 excerpts from, you know, fishermen and hunters and, and people living in, in coastal villages and stuff. And it's just, it's literally just an everyday thing. And that's been such a common argument, but no, hundred percent definitively Sasquatch, Bigfoot, they're related. They're not exactly the same. I feel like there's subtle variations from South to North, um, from skunk apes and, uh, Southern United States sightings of similar mm-hmm. creatures, whether or not they are a 100% cryptozoological phenomenon, it makes a lot more sense in Northern British Columbia than it does necessarily in the swamps of Georgia or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there's definitely some not impossible, not impossible, not impossible, there, just indeed kind of unlikely. Maybe. True. I don't know. Continue. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like I feel like there's definitely paranormal at play when it comes to this creature, and that's why it has remained so elusive. But there's a lot of cryptozoological arguments that you can make too. Like they're very intelligent. They bury their dead. They try very hard to stay hidden, and 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 humans are good at staying hidden. So who's to say? I mean, we we're on our high horse, right? Every, nothing's smarter than us, even though everything's yeah, exactly. smarter than nothing us. smarter than a human. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that that's an open and shut case for me. I haven't seen one myself, uh, but we we're living right in the territory, and I need to get to Harrison and go squatching. See, you just ruined my follow up question too. That is. I, I was going to say, I don't know if you want me to reveal, but you guys are in British Columbia. There's another question that will come up to kind of more where exactly you're located up there in a minute. But um, I was going to say, do, have you ever had a personal or no? Actually, better. Do you know anyone who's had a sighting? You know what? I actually that, do not. That you would believe. I, you know, I, I straight up do not, which is surprising because I have a lot of family members that are like avid, like, you know, hunters and trackers and outdoors type people that are right mm-hmm. in the right areas. Um, and they're believers too. I mean, I've kind of turned them around and it was funny. I actually uh, bought for Christmas last year, I, I got basically everybody... Um, a, a few different books, but one of them was kind of like, you know, like a, the story of apes in America, Lauren Coleman and a few other classics like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, it kind of tur- turned people around a little bit. So I, now, now here's another thing I wonder, and this does get brought up in the whole cryptozoology with the sightings and everything. It's, there's a lot of sightings and stuff, but a lot of sightings are unreported. Mm-hmm. Do you think just some people are like in the, in the camp of, I know they exist, why do I need to go report it? I've seen it. It's something that I, I know. I grew up knowing it exists, mm-hmm. like, maybe in, like, more so your area than mine. I mean, Virginia, yes, it, it, we do have stuff around here. Like, I okay, actually, here's a great example. And and sorry to um to retell this story, but it's to prove a point here. I grew up basically being told, hey, there's mountain lions in this area. Here's what you do if you come across one. Mm-hmm. You know, this, that, and the other. And I was um, old enough that, like, I was recording the podcast at the time when I found out from somebody, like, from a park ranger, straight up said, no, there's there's none around here. And I'm like, bull crap. I'm like, yes, there is. And he's like, <laughs> according to the state, there is not. And I'm like, no, then why would I be growing up knowing people who've seen them, right. being told what to do if I run into them? And, like, why would that be – but it's like everyone says they don't exist here. So it's one of those things I just wonder 
if like in local areas or in certain areas, it's just, we know they're there. We just, it's just kind of just, it's an animal in the woods, whatever. Yeah. Don't, don't anger them totally. or don't, don't bother them. So I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on that in that area? Do you think that's something that might be like sort of going on up there is? No, it definitely is. I, I definitely it is. And, and, mm. and especially in um, like the community of Harrison, which is just about an hour and a half uh, west of us here. We, we live in Kelowna, British Columbia. But, um, you know, they have it right on like their on their main city website. And I believe it's taught in classrooms in the in the schools there as well, where it's kind of like um, same as like situation if you run into a bear, like what to do if you run into a, a, a Sasquatch. And it's used as sort of like this playful way of teaching kids and community and visitors and tourists coming to the town um, how to be safe in the woods. So it's sort of cheeky. Like a lot of people yeah. will read it and it's just sort of like, oh, this is just like a playful whatever. But there's a but but when you really read it, like and you should definitely check out the website. Like I'll send you the mm-hmm. link. It's very serious though. Like it's layered with a lot of like very serious like tone and it's just like um you know there's some very famous um the names are escaping me right now but i believe i mean john green uh, is one a sasquatch researcher he was he lived in the area of harrison and was in there a lot doing research but there's a couple that are still alive that live there and they do tours um exclusively for finding sasquatch and allegedly people have had success with some sightings Mm -hmm. and uh, uh no photographic evidence but to your to your point earlier though about people reporting stuff um yeah i think that honestly, people don't even know what the hell to do. And and I feel like I fall even into that category. And it's like you and I are in a different sort of situation than most. We're in this paranormal cryptozoological community. We're in this community. We yeah. can reach out to people and send pictures and videos and ask questions and get to send the right report people. To Derek. Yeah, exactly. Right. He'll play it on the show and tell you you didn't see anything. Yeah, it, totally. <laughs> Whereas most people, it's just like all of a sudden, you know, you might have a picture or, or an audio clip or something. It ends up in the, uh, in the Facebook feed. And we just live in an era of over-information. You, you, yes. You can't, I, <clears throat> you can't pick out what's what these days, basically. I do agree with that. And also, as a side note, real quick, not to get too far into this discussion, because it, it's, it's, it's happening as we're speaking. Um, disclosure has kind of happened. And I don't know about you. It just doesn't seem like it's a big deal. No. Like, no. The, I, I, I mean, the U.S. government military side of it in certain regards has been like, yeah, we don't know what these things are either. And it's like, nobody seems to be, it's like, everyone's like, Oh, disclosure. It's going to be this. And it's like, it's like a, just another day. It's like, cool. They don't know what it is either. What do we do now? Yep. I'd like for them to start revealing like the old cases and stuff. Like here's mm-hmm. what we found or, but it's one of those things. I'm sure it's some national security thing or something like that. Um, as a quick segue, and I'll, I'll get back to some cryptids in a little bit, um, you guys also cover the paranormal in the sense of UFOs and aliens mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, you recently did Charlie Red Star. What are your thoughts on UFOs, alien visitors, all that fun stuff? There's definitely a, a, a lot of different things going on when it comes to that, uh, and you know, it's a whole can of worms. I a whole can, yeah. You just, met, I mean, that's a that's a that's a barrel of worms, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, God. I mean, we could get into breaking down the whole different kinds and stuff like that. And you know what? I need yeah. to get back in and brush up with my uh, our strange skies and and some stuff like that. <laughs> you know, we we're firm believers in obviously life, not of this earth, not on 
you know, and, and whether it's yeah. com- whether it's nuts and bolts craft coming from extreme distances and using the uh, you know the the, the Bob Lazar uh, classic anti gravity uh, type of propulsion yeah. and actually getting here from a long way away, or whether it's literally like the the bubbles the the bubbles touching each other or the layers in space or the the Albert Einstein sort of hypothesis and it's it's in, more interdimensional. It's happening. It, it, yeah. It's definitely happening, and you know, I feel like the. I feel like the construction of like reptilians, greys, different versions and what we see is purely 100% just human construction. I don't think we actually know anything about what really anything looks like other than maybe craft, I guess. But even in that sense, we don't really know what we're dealing with if it's nuts and bolts coming from a hell a long way away um, or or not. So I feel like it's it's such a battle between us, our imagination the you know you and i living today in 2019 and all the all the just absolute just overwhelming media influence that we have and i think like you and i and people in our community are good at sifting through that yeah kind of getting a sifter finding that piece of gold right but like most people aren't right and Mm -hmm. like that's why it gets glossed over like even if you believe like say bob lazar like i'm not gonna make a comment one way or the other on that guy but like if you believe him or not he makes the comment about how like you know, it's the it's the best kept secret because it's out wide open and the wide wide open, right? It's so yeah. easy because no one's going to believe this Hollywood movies and frickin' Spielberg and Close Encounters and everything else under mm-hmm. the sun. And he's right, whether you believe his story or not, it's totally true. I mean, it's harder to find the truth today than it was in the 1960s. I mean, I've said this before about the Bob Lazar thing and just different stuff. Like I said, I'm not saying he's that I believe more stuff like that. I'm just pointing out this thing. What would be the greatest way for like a government to hide something in plain sight? Or if let's let's say they, they need you to work on some technology that is earth based, but mm-hmm. they don't want you to be be you know going to people and telling them, oh, I was working on this 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 Russian fighter that was just beyond you know comprehension, like a Russian style fighter. Right. You tell them they're working on something alien. You tell them that because how believable does that person become then? Exactly. They sound like they are crazy beyond reason They because they believe that that's what they're working on. It's the perfect disinformation campaign because you have a built-in sort of, no one's going to believe this person. Right. So it's one of those things that's, as I think, kind of what happened to Bob. But at the same time, maybe he really did have something. I, like I said, it's I would one. love with this disclosure for them to go back and start telling us, hey, this is this, this is that, you know, information about you know, past events, so it can be like, well, what was going on then, or what could we know now that can maybe further, you know, help us understand these creatures and these, or, or these, whatever this stuff is. Right. And I feel like, um, the nut, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the term nuts and bolts versus something from another dimension, which right. is a very interesting thing, because I, 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 I'm in the camp of, the other dimensional stuff, uh, maybe I'm kind of more in science stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, they, could they travel here? Technically, yes, right. but interdimensional is a little bit easier to kind of chew on. To be honest, yeah. if, if I want something to believe in a little bit more, it's kind of like that's technically easier for science that we understand. So, something interesting with the whole like how we perceive stuff too, like nuts and bolts, and you know, is this thing from another dimension or something like that. Um, an interesting thing I actually was reading was it was a description of like 
Native Americans the first time they saw like a European boat. And they said that they described it as like it was a big canoe with spruce trees growing out of it with with a bear on it. And right. the bear was, of course, some Englishman with, you know, a beard and, you know, probably some cloaks or something on him. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. It's they, they described it in the sense of what they knew. Right. And as we know, that's not really what it was at all. So that's the thing. We're describing these these um, ships and stuff in terms we understand. And it's like, they, we could be completely wrong on that, yeah. too. So that's that's what I find interesting about the UFO phenomenon and everything like that. So I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. So I'm going to kind of hit you with this one, too. Okay. Have you ever heard of tulpas? No. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> Let me see if I can do this off the top of okay, my head. Okay, okay. So, Tulpa... To, okay, for the for the listener, I'm going to do this extremely simple, just for the purposes of moving on this discussion. Tulpas are basically thought forms. They're something that, like, you can sit there, and if you do the right stuff, you basically can think up something and then make it real. Okay. It's a way of manifesting physical... something in physical reality. Yes, and it's something that supposedly people are able to do, Like, but that's what people claim that it's it's becoming a catch-all for, oh, that's what men in black are, that's what UFOs are, that's what... And I'm like, here's, here's my problem with that. If that were in the case, we'd have superheroes everywhere. Of course. Because enough people think about those to have manifest them by now. Right. I don't think many people think about men in black, but that's just something that I know is starting to become like a... Kind of, or was at a certain point becoming a catch-all for that stuff. Mm-hmm. So on that note, um, what about the Men in Black? Ooh. I, I, I guess, or the, or the if the Canadian version of that would be the Men in Red. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> yes. Imagine that instead, just a couple of Mounties show up uh, after the Maury Island incident <laughs> with, or the yeah uh, with, with glasses. Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on on the Men in Black and you know some of those reports and sightings? I guess as well. Well, I feel, I feel like the men in black do a really good job of uh, supporting the idea that a lot of UFO phenomena is possibly interdimensional rather than coming from a distant land. And, you know, that that that's me pretty much going back to one of the earliest North American sightings that was well documented. And that was the Maury Island incident where mm-hmm. I can't even remember the name of the chap who was... Uh, harassed or whatever the word you want to use, but um, men in black showed up at his door. And, you know, with with the classic black-on-black Lincoln, black suits, asking bizarre questions, acting very strange, um, when there was another associated paranormal phenomena in the area. And the same goes for Mothman and all these other types of things. And it's almost like it's a, uh, a very... Like a like a police force from another realm that has very poor social skills is essentially how it appears to me. Um, that 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 is a good argument right there, and that's something I've heard brought up before. So thank you for for reemphasizing okay. that 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 line of thought because that's kind of something I I like to think of too in that regard as well. Is it makes the most sense for a lot of the stuff. It's it's kind of like the one thing to where it's like. It, it fits the most profiles if, if you go down through all the sightings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 
I mean, are they interdimensional, terrible cops? Eh, possibly. <laughs> it's fun to think about. That, that is that is the that is a great name for a movie. I could just see that with like Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, like kind of like mm-hmm. Twenty One Jump Street style. Interdimensional, terrible cops. We should make it happen. So, so on that note, uh, there was originally supposed to be a crossover at some point between Twenty One Jump Street and Men in Black. <laughs> But it, I, don't, I don't think it's happening anymore. I think it was supposed to happen, but I think that turned into the uh, MIB International right. movie, which I still haven't seen. So I uh, haven't seen it either, actually. Uh, I'll, I'll, I mean, I want to do The Men in Black on here at some point, so there's a hint, hint, nudge, nudge for a future possible Zygnus episode. Mm-hmm. But um, jumping back to cryptids now. Yeah. So you um, live in British Columbia, Bigfoot country, yeah. Sasquatch country. Mm-hmm. But you also live in a very particular part of British Columbia, near a certain lake. Indeed. So, you want to tell us a little bit about that particular body of water? Definitely. It's it's um it's extremely unique. Yeah, so I we live we actually have a view of it off of our uh, our deck here of Okanagan Lake, and um, basically Just showing off. Yeah, showing <laughs> off. It's it's a it's a tiny apartment. Not really sure. Showing <laughs> off too much, but we squeezed out a lake view. But basically, it's um it's a miniature version of Lake Baikal. For those of you who are familiar with Lake Baikal, essentially Okanagan Lake is a rift lake. Um, you know, uh, also massively car- carved out by uh, glaciation, and it's essentially this super deep, crazy deep. Not only is it extremely deep, I, I don't even have the numbers off the top of my head, but there's a ton of loose sediment at the bottom, very much like Lake Baikal. And there's, there's of course, the famous Ogopogo that uh, allegedly dwells in the waters here. We've covered it on our show. And, mm-hmm. you know, you talk to people around town, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, most people around town are, are, are dumb. They're dumb. They're, they're, they're ignorant really? to any, any actual theories or ideas on the Ogopogo. It's 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 pure novelty. It's uh, just massive tourist. I mean, there's just pillows and stuffed animals, and there's an Ogopogo that's all like a cartoon version a statue in the park <laughs> for kids to climb on. There's a water park that we have here with a giant Ogopogo that has water that comes out of its nose that's been around forever. Like, Amber and I played on it when we were kids. Um, that's that's actually kind of cool. It's really cool. <laughs> it's, it is really cool. And it's great for kids, but it's definitely like... As far as people truly believing, it's 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 much more of a myth. As far as the Silks people, which are the indigenous peoples of the Okanagan Valley, they they mm. are firm believers that this is a physical creature. Um, it does have potentially metaphysical capabilities, if you will, but it, it was a creature to be revered and respected and lived definitively in the lake. We were we sort of came to the conclusion that this thing, which <laughs> it's been described in all kinds of different ways. There's this very famous footage called the fold and film, which was 1969, I believe might've been 68. It's essentially showing a 60 foot long creature surfacing and submerging and traveling throughout the water. It looks very much like a massive snake, not faked. And- the, the footage has been analyzed over and over and over again. It's in, it's inconclusive what it is, but it's definitely something very strange. Uh, clearly nothing robotic back in the 1960s traveling in the lake or anything like that. And I'm of the mind that there's perhaps a ancient species of prehistoric eel still uh, remaining in Okanagan Lake. Um, yeah, that's where I'm that, going. That's, 
That's actually a really interesting conclusion because wasn't that something that was brought up recently as the possibility for what um, Loch Ness was? Yeah. And there's a very, very, very strange photograph circulating. Uh, did you see that one? It's a, it's a recent one from Loch Ness. And okay, it sh- and nice. it shows basically like yeah it looks it looks like a, a massive eel, and uh, the same goes for Lake Crescent uh, in I ooh, I, ooh, I want to say Nova Scotia but it's on the east coast of Canada, um, and uh, could be prehistoric eels. So makes the Lake most Champlain sense. Lake is another one too. Of course, yeah, Champ in Lake Champlain. That- that one has some weirder stuff to it, though, which we'll get to. Sorry, continue. Okay. No, no, I mean, that that was basically all I had to say. I mean, most people here are kind of of the mind that, oh, it's just, you know, uh, mistaken sightings of sturgeon and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, well, sturgeon are deep-dwelling fish. They do come to the surface at certain times, depending on the species. You know, most people aren't seeing sturgeon. I mean, how many people have seen a sturgeon? Have you ever seen a sturgeon? I've never seen a sturgeon. I've never seen a sturgeon. Like, but they're not, they're not native to this area sure but i mean they're they're supposedly native to here and the legend was that when the first bridge was being built way back in the day the divers were encountering sturgeon in the depths and they believed it to be the ogopogo and so that's where that firm belief and the the classic like joe nickel it's an owl for everything people latch on to for (laughs) for the sturgeon i don't think it's a sturgeon so um to just point out real quick i did look this up the average depth is 250 feet maximum mm-hmm. depth is around six i mean 760 and and that's for what is actually mapped, mapped. um because yes. there has not been a full extensive mapping of okanagan lake and the curious thing about the ogopogo this is dabbling more in the uh, the realm of mythology and just folklore that's super fun but there's a few other lakes close by and there's legends that there are underwater tunnels connecting these lakes mm-hmm. So it's an elusive creature because it can kind of hop, skip, and jump around to various uh, bodies of water in the area. So I I think you've kind of answered this with your description, but I'm going to ask anyways, have you ever had an unexplained sighting living there? You know, Amber and I multiple times have seen things where we had to stop, pause, bust out the phones, and, and take footage and kind of analyze it. In the end, it almost always... We came to the conclusion that it was just um, strange cross patterns of wind on the surface of the water uh, in conjunction with basically like like the waves. Uh, and that's what happens most of the time. Like if you look at Okanagan Lake, it's so windy in this valley. So there's all kinds of different winds like literally coming from multiple directions. It's narrow at points, so you'll have waves originating from more narrow sections of the lake and transitioning into wider sections of the lake. And there's anomalous waves that look like they're traveling in weird patterns that don't make sense. They very much look like undulating uh, motions of a serpent of some kind a lot of the time. And that is basically all that we've seen. Whether or not we've literally seen the Ogopogo or not, I can't say. I think we've just been duped, and that's what most people see. (laughs) But that's why Okanagan Lake is such an enigma and why spotting the Ogopogo is really, really, really tough. So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a satellite view of the lake right now, and it does have, and I know this has been pointed out before, it does have almost a serpentine shape, shape to it, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So that, 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 that makes it, it's, it's, it's like lore built on top of lore, but I think the thing that really is, is interesting is the fact that a lot of the, as you said, the, um, na- the Native Americans had stories of this. Yes. Before 
anyone came by. So that's that's what I find most interesting about this. Um, I think your eel theory is very um, accurate for a lot of different reasons because I'm I'm not saying it's I mean that's still a, technically a cryptid creature. It's something that's unknown mm-hmm. to that area, so it technically still fits the bill and everything. So I I mean it's 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 a lot of these northern lakes though technically. Yeah. I mean uh, Canada's full of them. Of course, Scotland is a northern lake as well. And if I remember correctly, Russia has a handful too. They absolutely do. They absolutely do. And isn't isn't um Baikal has some Baikal has some weirder stuff. Baikal's super weird. I mean the one difference I guess between Baikal, Okanagan Lake, and Loch Ness would be that Loch Ness and Lake Champlain are more similar in the sense that they used to be connected to the ocean. They had estuaries that connected them to the ocean. Some people still believe that they do, that there's tunnels leading between the ocean to underground passages to both of those lakes, um, where, I mean, by all intents and purposes, they're they're closed off now. But Okanagan Lake was never connected to the ocean. There was definitely, like, Pleistocene-era, like, massive reptiles and different things in the area, and and as far as I know, eels in the lake. So it would make sense that that's what it would be, uh, rather than a plesiosaur. That would be coming from the ocean, right? Like you know, as much as the as the five year old me once believed a dinosaur is still around, which I have something on that for you too. Um, I I can't. I know. I can't get into that. I know. I'm I'm right there with you, man. I mean, we covered. I, I, I want to I want to believe in other stuff. I want to believe in other stuff, but but dinosaur. Ah, it's tough. It's tough. It is tough. Speaking of tough and dinosaurs, so um. You guys did a you guys did a deep dive on something I had heard about before, and as somebody who loves dinosaurs still and grew up loving dinosaurs, and that's actually what got me into cryptozoology and stuff like that was, oh, there's a living dinosaur in Loch Ness. That's cool. <laughs> so that's kind of the, the the thought process there with at least that um, the Ceratosaurus of the Arctic Circle. Ah. Yes, you guys did that, and and you you did a very deep dive. Like I had always heard that story as basically a. They saw this, right? There's this, and moving on. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, that 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 was an episode that that I I mean I listened to to all your guys' episodes, but that one I was like sitting there on like bated breath, like this is this is something I knew about, but I did not know this much. So. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm asking awesome. you this, but I'm you're sure you're going to be like, oh, it wasn't that. Like, what were your thoughts on, on, on that topic of the Serrat? And I guess if you want to give a brief version of that story for any listener who might not be aware of it, too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, essentially, yeah, Cole's Notes version of that story is uh, the, the title of our episode was The Monster of Partridge Creek, which essentially is what it became known as, which was the sighting of a of a, of a dinosaur in the Yukon uh, by a hunting party team, which was this sort of amalgamation of very strange characters. It was a very successful like businessman from California and uh, just, just mashup of, of, of very real people. But, um, yeah, but they... Sounds like a company from a D&D. God, I am really on a D&D cake. Oh, man, you know what? It's so funny <laughs> you mentioned that because I am I really want to get into D&D. And a friend of mine who I'm actually I'm actually launching a, a basketball podcast, an, an NBA analysis podcast, <laughs> but he's super into D&D. And him and I are going to co-host it. And I'm like, dude, like I I am all over that. I want to get into D&D. <laughs> we'll talk after the recording okay, a little bit. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. But yeah, basically, you know, the dinosaur of the Yukon, which is... 
certainly not a location known for uh, dinosaurs, even though, of, of course, they mm-hmm. were there. But I mean, in terms of... Yes. Uh, you know, any renditions in Hollywood or anything like this, right? And it was this this bizarre story and people didn't believe them, but they literally did go back into town, into Dawson City, Yukon, try to gather up a bunch of men, get back out there, track this beast because they were absolutely mortified at what they saw. And we were like, what the hell? Like, what the hell? Like, this is either one of two things. They literally saw something and they all dropped acid. They, <laughs> they, they, they're making it up, 100% hoax, or they, they literally did see a dinosaur. And whether or not it was physically there or a possible echo from the past, that was the weird thing about this case is that it kind of dabbled in almost the uh, the realm of like hauntings, poltergeists, and apparitions, yeah. if you will. Because we were trying to rationalize how could such a creature manifest itself or, it, or, or, or for that matter, still be surviving in the frozen uh, Yukon, right? I mean... The, the, these the, a lot of these dinosaurs were very heavily feathered or furred in cases mm-hmm. like and we talked about that how dinosaurs in the Yukon I mean it wasn't it wasn't tropical man like it was cold it, no. got, it got cold for these creatures even though they were cold blooded but I I believe what they well, saw was a was a, an echo of some kind. Well, the the lot of I'm not once again not a dinosaur expert, but a lot of the consensus now is that they were warm blooded. Mm. Some mm-hmm. of them were. So, Indeed. So yeah. it, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those things that it, it's very weird with looking at the knowledge we have now about dinosaurs versus that story coming out then. It's that they, they said that it looked like it was covered with like fur or something. Mm-hmm. And that could have been easily misconstrued for feathers. Right. And now we know that dinosaurs more than likely had feather. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things to where like if if someone made a report of this before, like, knowledge of it, that's, like, that came out, now we're learning stuff, it's like, wait a second, that's matching up now to stuff we know is true. It's just such a weird story, and I do agree that it seems more like a time slip from what you guys said, more so than than a flesh-and-blood creature being there, because um, I believe they didn't, it didn't seem to really acknowledge them that much no like i mean there was a few moments where they were definitely more afraid than others and it maybe seemed like it was but for the mm-hmm. but over i mean it didn't attack them it, that, that was never yeah. a part of the story right and if this thing was looking for easy prey they were way easier prey than the the, the elk or moose or whatever it was it picked up in their story right. so yeah i mean i uh i the, the thing is with that story it's like it's, uh, I think we mentioned it in that episode, the idea of like, um, the comparison to like the Roman soldiers in one description from where yes. it was like the, the half cut off soldiers marching through the streets because the street was mm-hmm. at a different level when it was that, Roman control. That was interesting. And, and that was very interesting. And that's what I think they saw. And, and, and the interesting thing to me about that is like, we're so human centric, right? Like when we think mm-hmm. about ghosts and hauntings and apparitions, it's like, we rarely think about it when it comes to animals or creatures outside of ourselves. But if there was a traumatic event with a dinosaur, then why why, why it, it attached to a place? Then why why couldn't there be an echo same same as somebody seeing Roman soldiers march down a street? And and I mean, if you really want to get like, I guess technically kind of Matrix deep real quick, who's to say time is a river? Maybe it's a pool. Absolutely. 
there you go. I'm just saying. It, it could be something to where, like, we think time is this one track, well, that, but it's like, no, other stuff can sort of come in and, and out. And that was the weird thing about that story, though, right? Because it wasn't just, like, the, the Roman soldiers. There was there was physical things in their world that they noticed. There was tracks. There was uh, boulders pushed down the hill when mm-hmm. it crawled up the hill. These types of things. So it, it was like an echo, but then with physical traces at the same time. Which leads me I mean, to think almost more interdimensional. Exactly. Because, yeah, you could find, you know, fossilized tracks, but these were fresh in the snow tracks. Right. Which is interesting. And, yeah, boulder could have moved, but it's millions of years later. That, that boulder is going to be worn away to nothing, more than likely. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely an interesting one. So as we get close to the, to the coup de grace, what do you fear in cryptozoology Ooh. and mm-hmm. paranormal the most? I'm going to hit you with something because you guys seem to be in a wealth of this. Um, hit me with three, off the top of your head, underrated, in your opinion, either paranormal or cryptozoology things that that you can just... Because you, you, you guys get some obscure stuff in there that I find really interesting, like the Ceratosaurus stuff. Cool, Something man. that, like I said, <laughs> I have that little tiny, like... Oh, yeah, I remember hearing that before. And then you guys did an entire episode on it where I was just like, wow. So if, if you can off the top of your head, hit me with some underrated ones Ooh. real quick. Let's, let's think about and that. They, and they can be stuff you covered. They can be stuff you covered, too. Hmm. So you can plug, plug, plug. Man, man, hey, that's, that's some tough stuff. That's some tough stuff, bro. I mean, um, you know, I've got such a – I mean, this is almost kind of a – Maybe not the best answer in the world, but first one that comes to mind for me is I just have such a soft spot for the Orang Pendek of Indonesia. Mm. And it's a lesser known cryptid in the hominid realm. I mean, you know, people in our world know about it. A lot of people haven't heard of it. Like people I talk to, I've never heard of it. And they have never heard of the Yaren and some other sort of similar type creatures like that. To me, it, the, the size is so interesting. The, the uh, pot- potential connection to the idea of, uh, I always mispronounce this, but like Homo floresiensis or whatever it's called. Like, that, um, you know what? I'll, I'll give that one to thank you. you. I'm not a pronunciation expert, but you know what? Thank You're, you. I, <laughs> hats off to you. It's the Canadian pronunciation. Sure, there, there we you go. go. <laughs> but I mean, I, I have this, um, I have this just deep, deep desire and hope and wish that there is a relic human population out there. And oh, that it would be interesting. Oh man, it would just be the most. It would just be so. It it would totally turn our world upside down. In in mm-hmm. terms of in terms of how we've evolved and and our own capabilities and all these things. So I think Orang Pendek is one that I think is like deserves a little more attention, maybe. And yep. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. That's one. All right. Oh man, this is so hard, dude. This is just. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm sorry, I, I hit you with this one. I, I just wanted to get it off the top of your head thing. So you know what? Um, I, on that note, speaking of relic populations mm, sure. and the plug, 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 um, the uh, people without fire. Ah, yeah. That's that's kind of I guess the closest thing we have discovered at this point. Very to true. Sort of a relic population, and that is um, why am I not remembering the island? Oh, um, oh, oh my god. Um. Oh my god! Oh, I, my I just god, remembered the brutal. episode I title. Did the episode. I gotta Google this now. It's uh, North Sentinel. North Sentinel. It's back. Yes, there we go. I'm, I'm like the second I hear it, I'm gonna be like, "That's it." Yeah. And these are um, people that basically it's off the coast of India. Yes. But 
Yeah. Don't even know how to make fire, really. Yeah, and allegedly. Like, don't touch. Don't touch these people because diseases, everything like that, they... And, and I just, I find that interesting. Me too. And it's like, there could be people in the Amazon. There could even be, still be a relic population of and, some, and that's something like somewhere. Some, and that's like some classic, like, Indiana Jones type stuff. That is. You know? It's like, is. oh, man, I love that stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, okay, that that's definitely another one, too. Because it's funny, when we put out that episode, people hadn't heard of them. Had never heard of the North Sentinelese. And if you want to, like, put a throw a dash of uh, par- paranormal on the North Sentinelese... I have okay, this okay. this funky, janky kind of idea that in the interior of the island, there might be something significant. There might be some sort of ancient mm. relic. There might be something there that's important. Because it, I just find it so bizarre that of the, uh, uh, the Andaman Island range and the other islanders that are right there, they all had similar language. They all had ties. They all had trade. They all had everything. And the North Sentinelese and their tiny little popula- population that's been isolated for 60,000 plus years just refused they just said they just said get the hell out of here we don't want anything to do with you even though you're ethnically exactly the same as us for those early yeah. early settlers so why what why why what are they what is going that's, on in there? that's an interesting thing i mean we'll we will never know technically no we won't we will never know because it, it is a strictly don't go there thing for one because of you know they'll they'll kill you and two you might kill them with just the fact that disease mm-hmm. so so yeah that's i i was i you, you said the relic population that one popped in my head as something once again you guys did a phenomenal job thank of you of covering that so um i guess I, I gave you number two so um you got a number three i'm gonna go back to siberia man because we haven't been there in a while All right and there's weird stuff that goes on there. I mean, we covered like the lost city of Katesh, like a sunken city in the lake. But when it comes to Lake Baikal, I want to go back to that. I feel like we only really just skimmed the surface with the idea of like humanoid swimmers and the possibility mm-hmm. of there either being like a very, very real portal inside that lake and or there being a very, very real uh, hollow earth like evidence basically like subterranean population type stuff because uh you know we that that lake has not been has not been searched explored explored well that we know the best of our knowledge exactly russia Russia might have done something stranger things type things where they found the portal i i don't disagree with you on that that you know what if if season four stranger things takes place near like by calling they tie that in i'll be like Kudos, guys. <laughs> kudos on the weirdness there. So uh, I guess it's time for the for the coup de gras, the the final moment of this of this spooky Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. So what in the world of the paranormal and cryptozoology do you fear or feel that you fear the most? As I have said before, I'll I'll, I'll give you a moment to think. Oh, dude, I to. I know. As I've said, oh, okay, go oh, go ahead then. Go ahead. One hundred percent. The thing I fear the most in the world of the paranormal is, for lack of a better phrasing, uh, demonic entities, uh, demonic uh, things not of this earth, the elemental, if you will. We don't have mm-hmm. to uh, apply Catholicism to this uh, in any way, yeah. but essentially things that aren't human, but that manifest in literally the most messed up ways. And Hereditary is a movie that ruined me for a few days. And the reason that it fe- it scares me the most is because there's absolutely no way for me to deal with it. 
Like there's no like I like put 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 give me an axe and put me in a room full mm-hmm. of alien big cats from Australia that are gonna maul me to death. <laughs> I would take that any day over their uh, over a demonic entity in my house where I have to call the Catholic Church and be like, I this Get up probably here. ain't gonna work. But if you want to mosey down, that'd be great because <laughs> that shit scares me to death. Awesome. So that 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 is definitely a good answer. Um, you are not the. I, I know that this is only the second year of us doing this, uh, this, this kind of stuff. But I know from speaking to other podcasters, you are not alone mm. with with that. I know other people who've done research into that stuff for their episodes and said that they left, like they literally had to turn every light on in their house, going, like doing the research. And everything. Oh, man, and I, yeah, it's one of those things. I've never done the research on it because in the realm of that stuff, I'm just kind of like, eh. But it's one of those things I'm wondering, does belief in it cause it to manifest more? Mm-hmm. Like, is someone who doesn't believe in that stuff going to be unhurt by it, maybe? I but think someone so. who plays into it or someone who knows about it can get more. No, like for they, sure. It, it, it can feed on that more than someone who's just like. Meh. No, 100%, dude. That's why I've always said, like, if I'm locked in a scary place, like, the people I want with me aren't, like, badass people like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I want, like, Leslie Nielsen and, like, mm-hmm. very aloof. I-, I want, like, give me, like, uh, give me the Ghostbusters, you know what I'm saying? Like, guys like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, give me Bill Murray, like, types like that. Because yeah. they're just, they, they're going to be very aloof and unaffected, I would like to think. But, uh, no, I totally think you're right. I think it's, I think a lot of it is, like, physically manifested. The question is, what is it and where is it coming from? And why does I mean, the Catholic there's... Church work? Because then all these movies, it's like, wait a second, I'm agnostic, but it's like, should I be going to church? Because I kind of think what's going on here is real, and this priest is making shit happen. And I'm not so <laughs> sure what's going on here now. And then I start to <laughs> I start to re-question well, everything. Well, then you get into the other thing of stuff like the gin and stuff like that, which is very similar to possession and stuff like that. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of really weird stuff in a lot of different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oni and stuff like that in Japan. I mean, there's like a lot of cultures have that stuff. Um, to harken back, I mean, the Wendigo is something totally, that totally is is kind of I I kind of say that's in the realm, even though it's kind of a don't eat people sort of tale. Yeah. It's something to where, I mean, Man. it's something that technically possesses you, right? It's an entity, so, right? Like it, the the it the Wendigo in and of itself might just be an extension of it, very much what we're talking about right now, right? Like it's just it it's just be. it's it's evil personified, right? So. So on that note, I want you to kind of look up more on tulpas because that me, actually yeah, plays too. into tulpas a little bit too. Cool. Is the whole possession thing and stuff like that is you basically, if you create something and sort of leave it, it's not a good thing to do apparently in that realm of thought with that stuff. Right, so right. allow me <clears throat> to creep you out more by saying that. But um, thank you very <laughs> much for being on this um, haunted episode. I've not seen Heredity. Oh. So you're you're bringing it up. Maybe that's what I'm watching Dude. tonight on this Halloween night. I can't believe you haven't seen that movie yet. Oh man, I, it's it was just one of those things that passed me by, and I and I I know that um with with the kids they're gonna want to watch the the older kids right. are gonna want to watch a, a scary movie. So I'm like I might have my pick this year. Yeah, it's of, uh, of that, so. it's 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 there, and it's authentic. Yeah, authentic in terms of uh, it, it dives into the kings of hell, 
which I find absolutely so fascinating. And then the idea of Paimon as one of the kings of hell and this cult that worships him. And it's just this, oh man, it's badass. Awesome. So on that note, once again, where can people find more from you, sir? Man, you guys can find us absolutely everywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, so I, I think most of uh, most of you guys out there are downloading us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> so subscribe to us there. But Spotify, basically everywhere. We're at Into the Portal Podcast on Instagram, at Into the Portal One on Twitter, and. Uh, at Into the Portal Podcast on Facebook. we got a whole bunch of stuff going on. We're also a part of uh, the network called Straight Up Strange Productions. So you can mm-hmm. find uh, us and a bunch of other shows on straightupstrange.com. And man, thank you so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. Oh, no, thank you, sir, for, for being a part of a, of, a Halloween, of a Zingtober tradition. Love it. So, so um, yes, we will, of course, Zingtober will return next October. For, for me and everyone at Zingness, have a happy... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>